Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Do you want to die, Sydney? It's your turn to scream, asshole. From the streets of Woodsboro. Back to the streets of Woodsboro. We are Halloweenies! All began with a scream over nine one one. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Halloweenies. I am one of your co-hosts, the ghost face with the most face, Justin Gerber, and we are back in Woodsboro for our podcast. And we are back in Woodsboro for Scream. Not to be confused with Scream. That's right. We are back to cover all things Scream 2022, aka Five Cream, the first Entry in the series to not feature direction from the late great Wes Craven and the second to not have a screenplay by the currently with us and great Kevin Williamson. But you know, before we discuss who did end up writing and directing Five Cream, aka Scream, aka Scream 2022, aka Scream Five in some circles, let's go around and really look back in time and discuss the very first time that we saw Scream 2022. Which for most of us was within the last within the last forty eight hours, and let's start off with the guy uh, who saw it before all of us way back when on Tuesday, the eleventh <laughs> of January, twenty twenty two. And who who is that? This is Dan Dewey's theme, Caffrey. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got to go to a press screening of it, and I didn't know this when I got the notification, but it was at the AMC Lincoln Square, which is in Columbus Circle in New York. And as soon as I got there, I realized I had been to this theater a couple of times when my parents lived here. I went and saw Paranormal Activity 3 by myself, and I saw uh, the Superman, well, not really Superman film, Hollywood Land with my sister. And the theater's kind of done up to look like an old Egyptian theater inside. So it was really cool walking through the doors and having a little bit of nostalgia. And um, it was, it's a huge theater with two balconies. There's like enough room for, you know, more than like 10 seats between each person. So it felt very safe. And I was I got vibes of seeing Scream Two back when I was a lad in eighth grade, the first day of Christmas break, and everything felt very calm and right with the world. It was it was it was a really good feeling. I knew nothing about it going into it, which I was happy about that because um, it's so easy to spoil things nowadays. So it felt like a true new movie horror experience. Now you say you felt safe. Do you mean like the balconies had railings? Yeah, that too. You know, and I um, I put on a good <laughs> it wasn't face built mask. by the Empire. <laughs> I, I put on a ghost face mask too. So I felt safe in case ghost face came in to kill people. And I had the mask on, so they wouldn't be able to, well, the guidelines get... are you should double mask in N95 mask and a ghost face mask just to be sure. <laughs> I obviously. thought it was two ghost face masks. So it was really hard. To oh, no, you, now you're, now you're on. actually counterbalancing the, the I remember I'm old enough to remember when you couldn't wear a mask to a movie theater. And that was about four years ago. Well, hmm. speaking of, well, who is this? Who is this oh. on the line? Oh, this is Mike. Toxic horror fandom Vanderbilt. 
coming to you from the south side of Chicago. I saw it. How many years ago? Almost 24 hours ago. And yeah. I saw it at the AMC River East, where most of the critic screenings in Chicago are held. And because they charge you $40 for parking, I came up with this grand plan to, since I was going out afterwards, park in my car where I would be the following morning, taking an Uber over to the theater, and then taking an Uber back to the, uh, the car. And it worked out for the most part, but I forgot my wallet in my car, and then the whole movie was worried somebody was going to smash my window open, take my wallet, and find out that I had no money and a bunch of credit cards that were going to be absolutely useless to them. In fact, maybe might get them arrested if they used it. It would be like breaking into one of those, you know, atomic sites with the fake neighborhoods, <laughs> and you find out nothing works. It's like, oh, I got this wallet that just doesn't even open up. Um, and and I end up spending probably just as much money between the Ubers <laughs> back and forth uh, as I would have had I just parked at the movie theater. But I don't know about you guys. I, I don't think you guys drive in the city. I, I don't mind driving in Chicago. I hate driving downtown, though. I believe it, which is why I don't ever try to drive. And you speak of Ubers. My brother and I did not take an Uber uh, home last night to our respective apartments. And who is my brother on this uh, particular episode? Right, this is Wolfman Liv McKenzie Gerber. That's right. Uh, after the the character Liv McKenzie, classic character. In, in this, uh, I thought you meant this... live is in like live and die. <laughs> it's no, 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 no. Live no. and die in Woodsboro. Uh, well, some people lived in this film, and some people died. Uh, let's uh, mm. I'll, I'll start no, off. Not, with, let's pull off the spoilers. With that I won't say anything too much uh, at, the, at the top of the app. I had the pleasure of seeing this last night for the first time. And I have a lot of fond memories. The theater, it was a Dolby theater, so it was very, very nice. Great sound system. There was a good amount of people in there, but, you know, I was very spaced out. Felt 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 good about life. And, uh, yeah, I was, I, was really, <laughs> I was really excited that I was there with Justin and Vanderbilt. Uh, we missed Mike and Dan, obviously, but um, you know, sometimes uh, you don't always get uh, what you want. <laughs> wow which you could still well, maybe say about five cream well we'll we'll, we'll hold off on that for a second i do like the unintentional build-up here because dan's talking about feeling nostalgia for this theater used to go to that kind of made it to look like the egyptian theater you know and then you know vanderbilt uh, mckenzie and myself we we got to enjoy scream at amc river east and the, this great dolby <laughs> theater like the sound just rumbling great theater to see a movie in and then we've got our last uh, co-host on this episode who who had quite the experience. That is, and Mike, you don't have to name your movie theater. We're I won't. To, like, shut things down. But why don't you introduce yourself and explain your experience with with seeing Five Cream on on the big screen? Of course, uh, this is Michael Meeks Martin Rothman, and uh, you know I had a great time at my movie theater because I was back at home in the 305 in Miami. I happened to go to my least favorite movie theater down there. I won't name any names, but let's just say everyone in the theater was taking it to Act Three and uh, not wearing a mask. Uh, just took the masks off. So uh, surrounded by that, but then also more specifically, th- uh, just sitting on filth. It was a it was a filthy theater. <laughs> It was, it was disgusting. Uh, couldn't find a single seat. I looked like, you know, a, a psychopath in like a. I actually looked like the psycho in the theater because I just kept hopping from one seat to the other, being like, "Nope, that looks gross. Nope, that looks disgusting. What the hell is that on the armchair?" Like, I I was just having an anxiety attack. I have to ask. This was the critic screening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Now, they, did, they did tell Mike beforehand that they that soon after that they'd be using that set to film the new Saw film. Yeah, well, you know, it, it felt like it for sure. I mean, it you was know what, Mike. We we all say we want the grindhouse experience. That's really what it was. Yeah, that's right. And do yeah. we really want the grindhouse experience? I mean, I don't mind the grindhouse experience if it's not during a time where scum and filth are like the last things I really want on my on my agenda uh, at the time. I mean, also. It's there's something about going to like an old school theater. Like we used to have a theater down here in Miami called the Riviera. It was fucking great. It's actually where I saw Jurassic Park, and that was like a good grindhouse experience. I'd want the seats torn up. I want things messed up. When I think of AMC and the large theaters and stuff like that, where they have you know these these giant twenty four plex theaters, which never should have been the movie theater experience in the first place, and most of these are scummy and gross. I just think of like. All these kids just like fucking puking and, you know, you know, putting snot on seats and stuff like that. And that's not so much the grindhouse experience. It is just, again, just sitting in filth. So (laughs) wasn't fun. I didn't take my mask off once. I I had bought myself a bottle of water and M&Ms and didn't open them the entire time. I sat there just without even putting my head back onto the, the, the seat. And I was at the edge of my seat without the movie even doing the work for me. So how about that? Yeah. Fun well, there times. You go. That probably did a little bit of help there. I think we all want the grindhouse experience visually, not so much <laughs> tangibly sometimes. You know what? If you not, don't want to get stabbed. You don't want to be in the theater with junkies. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to sit on a needle. You know what I mean? No. Like, that's, not, that's not my thing. I'm not a big fan of doing that. I'm a supporter of it, to be yeah. honest with you. Well, wow. What great nostalgic trips back to our to growing up with Scream 5 2022. Uh, well, you know, before we get into that, this is a very unique episode, obviously, compared to our other Scream entries this year and all of the Randy's Rex, because a lot of these movies we've had a lot of time to to kind of mull over, to take notes on, to in a lot of, in a lot of instances we've kind of lived with these movies, especially with the Scream franchise. I know Mike, especially with Faculty, some of us with House and Sorority Row, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a unique thing where we all went into this movie fairly unaware of what was going to happen. I, I know personally speaking, I watched the first trailer when it came out, the second trailer when it came out, and I never watched anything again. Did not watch any commercials for it, any scenes from it. So I'm curious about the rest of you and your experience going into it. Mike uh, Rothman from Florida. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's very strange. Oh, by the way, it's raining down here and uh, there's uh, tropical music in the air. No, um, but uh, I <laughs> it has rained here multiple times, which is uh, I always think my, of home, old, my old home state. Uh, yeah, it's a great place. I, I will say, you know, unlike Halloween Kills, where we pretty much knew everything, beat for beat, going into that movie, thanks to the wonderful rundown that was provided by God knows what Reddit user had leaked it out back in 2020, before the it pandemic. Was a bad, to be fair, it was a badass review. It was a badass review. I, I really did go into this blind, and I and it was such a rewarding experience, and I and I had so much fun with that. Having said that, doing the notes afterwards and not having all the stuff in mind yep. <laughs> like I did with Halloween Kills, it was really hard. It felt like I, it felt like I was back in high school or something like that, and like cramming for a test, you know, that I had just studied for that, you know, that morning or something like that. It was very strange. It's a very surreal experience as a Halloweeny. Yeah, I know. For me, it was you know I got home, I I worked all day, and we went straight to the screening, and then I ate like at ten o'clock at night. You know, I woke up at one o'clock in the morning because I you know when you ate too late, you can't really sleep great at no. night. <laughs> so then all day at work at my day job. Believe it or not, folks, we don't. This is not our forty-hour uh, week job. <laughs> we would love the podcasting to be, but uh, some of us actually you know have to go to our day jobs and. 
And so I was really just doing my work during the day and trying as much as possible to like just add notes as I go along and add the histories and add filmographies and add all the actors and directors and the writers and everything else. But I, I think I pulled it off on my end, but it's definitely an interesting experience. And like you said, compared to Halloween Kills, even though it was similar where we saw it and then we recorded it the next day, we kind of knew all the history mm-hmm. about it, everybody involved and kind of what was going to happen anyway. But uh, Mac... What about you? What was I know because you were on the trailer yeah, episode, no. so you kind of had so, to rewatch the trailer for that. But what was your experience? I probably going watched the trailer two or three times, maybe when it came out, and then we did the episode. Yeah, but I I walked away at that point. I didn't watch any of the new trailers that came out after that. I really and you know it's hard because I was talking to someone about this recently. We watch movies so much, and we watch trailers so much. It's easy for us to watch a trailer and start piecing it together when that's going to happen. Oh, that's probably going to be this. This will probably be the middle section, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So when they kept saying that they were keeping that, this is, you're, they're keeping a lot behind the closed doors and this isn't, you know, we're not seeing everything. I was kind of surprised at actually seeing the film and, and <laughs> having that, a lot of it actually being from the trailer, like, like throughout the whole movie. I thought there was going to be a whole third act that we just didn't see at all, period. You know what I mean? Like that they do that sometimes in trailers. However, Having going in, only having watched the trailer a couple of times, I was very excited. Like Rockman was, I, I, I was. It was just a treat to just really be like, I don't know any of this. I haven't heard anybody talking about this or any character development or any leaks or anything. I just kind of went in, so I was able to really sit back and enjoy it as well. We did call. We called a lot of stuff in that trailer breakdown, including one of the major deaths in this movie. We did down to the and- scene. Yeah, and I, yeah, I I wanted to listen to that episode again today. Uh, I didn't get a chance to because I was curious. What did you did you get a chance to listen to it, Rothman? No, I, I just remember what we we did, we that that whole scene that I'm sure that you all know what I'm insinuating. Look, we don't have to. I mean, we don't have to worry about spoilers. We, can, you know, here. we, we could anybody anybody listening. Listening. Spoil whatever. Like, Dewey's yeah, death. Like we we called yeah. Da- yeah. down to the T. Like down to like even the way that they did the shots. Uh, we called that, and you know, so it's that was interesting. I, I, I think I even I think when we posited killers, I think I I I threw Quaid out there because I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, why are you gonna have this guy in the movie? And seemingly everyone else is kind of, you know, pretty not very noticeable like they're not big names yet. Mm-hmm. I think there's some really promising young actors in this. But Quaid, I think, was most recognizable. He had been in a, a few things, he's been on the boys. Quaid. It's funny you ever see Quaid it, without it the first name. Just, all I can think of is Total Recall. Quaid. It wasn't just Quaid. <laughs> the Quaid. reactor. Oh, we don't have to get into all that yet. Let's let's go into let's let's, let's keep going around here. Uh, but so Dan, what about you? Do you even remember anything from the trailer? No, I mean, ago, or did you kind of really go into it? Totally I watched blind? that first trailer, and I think because I sensed, like everyone did, that they they weren't showing a lot and. They weren't giving too much away. We knew it was going to be some kind of legacy thing. That was all I really wanted to know. And, you know, it's funny because Halloween Kills, I was looking up everything and I read that summary and I had no bones about it. But I think because of the so much of the pleasure of Scream, right, is the the whodunit aspect of it and the mechanisms of the plotting and everything like that. So I, it was, and I don't know, when was the last time we got something like that, especially, you know, us who, you know, like you said, we're on a horror podcast. We kind of have to follow all that stuff. So yeah, I didn't watch or even read anything really, or even I didn't even look at pictures or I, I really purposely stayed away from everything after that first trailer. That was, they gave me enough of a taste and yeah, that's all I knew going into it. Yeah. But what about you? 
You know, outside of that first trailer, I kind of stayed away from everything. And necessarily wasn't even a conscious decision as it was. I'm just busy. And it's not <laughs> like when I was in my 20s and you'd be scouring the Internet for any information. And most times when I see like a trailer breakdown or new trailer, I just assume it's not even a real website. And it's just going to take it's like, you know, what's that one? Uh, I'm a book reports or whatever. And it's just going to take me to some bullshit article written by somebody who has has no more information than I have. That said, I thought they did a pretty good job of kind of keeping everything close to the vest, except for one thing I think that was spoiled that would have been a better reveal. And that's Stu's house. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. And that wasn't even revealed by the trailers. That was just the behind the scenes photos because that moment when it happens in the movie, the first thing I thought was like, oh, that would be a lot cooler if I didn't know that I already knew. I knew where they were. I knew where the house was. But it looks just like it still. It's in the trailer. They show the the shots. They show the shot of the lead girl in the doorway and the zoom out. And you know, for a good second there where you're like, yeah, that's, that's the house. And they did the Airbnb campaign. <laughs> that was right. Yeah. Well, yeah so all it was that. kind of like you, you're, you're putting those pieces together. You're looking at that. And I, I agree with you. I think that would have been a, a fun reveal to be like, Oh wow, they are going back there. You know what I mean? But and I already knew they were going to hit it at some point. Just didn't know when my dream basically would have just been for this to be like the, uh, the new mutants trailer, the original mm-hmm. one where it's just people screaming that aren't in that's not an actual movie and then just say scream five so i feel like people are it's like you have to be do you really convinced to go see a scream movie aren't you gonna just gonna go well, see an, it if you want to i mean another uh, thing I, I, to be fair though i'm 41 <laughs> I, i'm not marketing to the 15 and 16 year olds i understand there's yeah, a lot out there that your eyes are on and and you're you're, you're flipping through your tiktok and your everything else i get it i understand if you want to grab somebody but i just wish we could just, just I don't know. But Justin, a film that is based... So when you have a movie like this, it's seriously based on, like, you don't want to know anything going in. You don't want to know anything. You want to be genuinely surprised. These are the only kinds of films where I'm like, man, if we had walked into this movie and none of that trailer was in the movie, but they knocked it out of the park, how? what a great mislead. Or everything you saw in the trailer was in the first, like, 10 minutes. Yeah, or like, akin to like Avengers Endgame, right? Like most of that trailer of great, is over in the beginning of that movie, and you're like, "Wow, I, we have point. two hours and twenty minutes left, and I have no clue what's going to happen." The best misleading trailer, and I'm not going to blow it if you if you've seen it, is the Place Beyond the Pines, hmm. because the way they structure that trailer is is anyway, it's nothing like you expect the movie to be when you actually go see the movie. I mean, ideally, what shout would out happen to <laughs> Place Beyond the to Pines, Derek on Sean or whatever. <laughs> yeah, is is second to last film I think he's ever made. Yeah, I, I mean, ideally for me, what would happen is if, like, you know, we went to the, see the Scream 3 in 2000, and we didn't get uh, another movie until they dropped Scream 5 uh, randomly on Paramount Plus or something like that, just Paramount off Plus. the, you know, off, you know, left hook or something like that. And we're like, wow, holy shit, we had no idea this happened. Um, we had no idea the cast got together and made this movie. Yet here we are, and we're watching it. That's kind of like the, that's kind of the Texas Chainsaw route, you know. They're yeah. just gonna dump it on Netflix, you know. Or you know? what was the recent horror movie that did that though? That like we're like, oh, this is a new movie. I guess Blair, Blair Witch was Blair like Witch. the last Blair last Witch was one. pretty close to that. Paranormal Activity yeah, was, was one. really close because it was called The Woods. Remember the whole yeah. lead up to that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was deceptive. Yeah, I mean, if they could have done that, that would have been cool. But uh, I don't know. It's I think not knowing as much as we did. I don't know. Pretty astounding 
considering that we're a podcast that has you're covering this <laughs> you know i, yeah, I, was, I can't kind of... complain i mean i think they did a pretty fantastic job about keeping it now i haven't now granted i have not gone back and watched the final trailer what were there a lot of reveals in that trailer i think the major twist of the sister surviving is not revealed at all in the trailer that's amazing yeah. that was a good wow. they could have easily had scenes with her you know so it's like you know uh Radio Sounds film, and then she's in the hospital saying, oh, what happened? They could have easily gone that way. Yeah. And I yeah. like the fact they subverted that. Anyway, we'll talk more about that as, as we talk about the movie. Let's go into that next category, which we won't be spending too much time in because the news is, is that Scream 5 is out, but it is a category called Top Story. Hi, this is Gail Weathers with an exclusive eyewitness account of this amazing breaking story. Obviously, when this, when this comes out, the box office will be revealed. I can say that the budget for this movie... Uh, even though it's been a decade since Scream 4, it's only $24 million, which is considerably less than the earlier box office, I mean, uh, the other budgets of, I think, Scream 2 and Scream 3. I think those were like $40 million a pop. So it's, it's a lot less money to make. I don't know. It's going to be very strange to see what the box office is going to turn out to be like, right? I, I, it could be huge. It could be nothing. It's just so... If, you, if it's not a Spider-Man movie... It could just be nothing. And I don't even know what a successful box office means at this point. You know, Well, in terms of budget, I think they put a lot of it on screen and the movie looks good. If yeah. Yeah. most movies just look like television to me now, and it's just because I can't tell the difference. Yeah, because well, yeah, television's just, elevated they, that much. That's you know just I mean? the era that we live in now. True. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, the fact that Spider-Man No Way Home, that's the title, right? Uh, that's already in the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time, and that was released during, you know, pretty much the height of Omicron. So to say that, oh, well, you know, the pandemic's going to stall the box office, I just don't believe that anymore. I think that if you have the high IP that everyone wants to see and it's in demand, it's going to make money. I think the big tell is the future of this franchise is going to happen sometime tomorrow or Saturday when we're able to mm-hmm, see, true. like, what those first-day tallies are going to look like. Because, we, I mean, we have to remember, like, as, as much as we can sit here and say, oh, they could have just, written, you know, put Scream 5 or Scream on a trailer – I think there's a lot of doubt around this franchise after the underwhelming performance of Scream 4 because even it made money, but comparatively to like Scream 1, Scream 2, Scream 3 in that era, like when they were like hitting, you know, 90 to 100 million dollars, like it was a considerable drop. So I'm wondering if this will do those numbers. I don't well, know. I mean, the forecast I think it will. as of now, I agree with Dan. I think it will. The for, because the forecast as of now is is kind of surprising to me, especially like you said, considering the times we live in. Mm-hmm. The last time we had a screen movie and how that didn't perform very well, like you said, yeah. the, the four day forecast for the holiday weekend is thirty four million, and they're predicting that to make ten million more than Spider Man No Way Home. So they're expecting this to be oh. number one at the box office with thirty four million over four days. Well, if good. it does that, that's pretty huge. I think. Let me uh, bring something up, and I think it's something that I think. As we've discussed, covering uh, covering horror movies and being involved in the social media world, that there there is two worlds we live in. We live in social media world. We live in a real world. Hundred percent right. That's why it's so look, hard to guess, right? It's hard guess because you look at social media, you see a lot of people saying, "Well, I'm not going to the theater because this, that, or the other thing." Uh, but then you also see a lot of people excited. But then you have that real world people who pay no attention to so or very little to the social media we pay attention to, and reviews and everything doesn't matter that I'm. And those are the kind of people who I talk to at Rock Island Public House around the bar, and they're all jazzed for Scream because Scream Scream is essentially Spider Man at this point. It's yeah. pop culture. It's phenomenon. There's a the guy who runs our kitchen, Jerry. 
He Scream is one of his favorite movies, and it's because he saw it, he's good ten years younger than me. He saw it when he was real little, when he wasn't supposed to, and it terrified him. So he's going to be jazz for this the same way Nightmare on Elm Street speaks to me. Yeah, but I think you're going to see a lot of yeah. that. And I don't that think there's anything cool. else playing this weekend, right? You no, know, I mean, no, there's not. I did wonder, though, if in that same argument that you had about us being in a bubble about horror Twitter, I did wonder a couple of days ago, and I tweeted the thread, like, what is the general population feel about this movie? Because I, I, I mean, beyond... I mean, obviously, I live with it because I, I, you know, like sell for for a horror website, and you know, we're covering we're on horror podcasts, and we we follow horror you know writers, and we see the hashtags and yada yada yada. But even talking to you know my brother down here who's obsessed with pop culture, like he didn't even they, like they didn't, they love horror movies, and they didn't even really realize it was coming out this weekend. And I haven't seen it beyond like a lot of the horror sites. You know, I asked if you'd seen it on football games and stuff. So that's cool that people yeah. are talking about the bar because I just I assume that like we actually were in a bubble and that this movie is, you know, it will make a dent, but it's not going to be the event that I mean, like right now, this is like the fucking Super Bowl for us. Like this is, yeah. you know, probably since Halloween Kills, I think. If it's not, what our podcast has been leading up to all year. Yeah. <laughs> Some so have said wonder. that these movies are leading up to our episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, Evil Dead Rise. Watch our. They're, they're, yeah. they're, HBO Max is promoting us. Yeah, right. They should well, be. The, I know that a lot of and the thing that's easy for Scream is is it is kind of up there now with the heavy hitters where you don't need to really know. Actually, it's funny to me because I think you do need to know a lot about the Scream movies to really get the most out of this movie. Oh, yeah, or any of the Scream sequels, but. For some reason, they also seem to be the most accessible movies to people that haven't seen any of them or because essentially it's always a whodunit, regardless if it hinges on who, you know, prior movies, usually the killer is someone from the circle of the people that you're introduced to in this film. So you, you kind of don't need to necessarily really know all that. So no. like coming they in. They lay down the rules in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone. plus yeah. calling this movie simply Scream and not Scream 5, you're already getting people in that don't know the franchise or whatever, or, you know, the everyday Joe, right, that is just like, oh, I'm just going to go see this movie, where that might be turned off by seeing a, a fifth or a sixth number. Although, in my experience, people seem to go see films all the time, whether they've seen the first five, and then talk through the whole movie, asking their <laughs> friends what the hell's going on. Ugh. I'm right there with you because I, I don't know if I don't know if teenagers still go on dates to the movies, but horror movies were always the perfect date movie, and I'm sure there's a lot of that going on if kids still go uh, to the movies on a date. Well, no, also, too, I feel like the I mean the movie references it right the whole uh, requel thing. Like the, the part of the point of it is being oh you can go into this movie that has the same title as the original and it is sort of a soft reboot but kind of not. I mean. It's funny because I agree. I think there will be people who haven't seen this, the rest of the series, or maybe they just saw the first one that come and see this one. But it, I don't know. Do you, I think it might be kind of confusing if you did that. I maybe not. I, I don't yeah. know. I think it's best to see it. I mean, even when I went and I'm going to be talking about this movie later on, I'm really, really happy. This might be the first time anybody's ever said this. I'm really, really happy. I watched the matrix reloaded and the matrix revolutions before I saw matrix, um, Resurrections. Resurrections. Because I would have been absolutely lost. Because you do actually have to watch those movies oh, to understand yeah, what's going on. That's the second act. Be like, yeah, but the same thing with this, though. You know, these are all... The, this is also kind of based on the Stab movies, which none of us have actually seen, even though they're supposed to like follow, <laughs> I guess, all the sequels generally. But not really, because all those openings in the fake 
oh, and part four are not from this prior sequel. So anywho, I think that you can go see this and enjoy it. I think that you don't necessarily have to see all the other movies. I don't think you're going to get the most out of it, obviously, because there's so many nods and just fun things in this film. So having said that, though, I think people, it, this could do really well. I mean, if people want to go to this to the, to the theater to watch this, and I don't know, a lot of people have asked me about it that I didn't peg for horror fans, and I've just been saying, yeah, go see it. So well, I think hopefully. it's also, though, if you, it's not as daunting a task as, say, if, yeah, I can't believe I'm actually going to defend, you know, Blumhouse and the Halloween people. But, you know, if you're saying, hey, you just have to watch four movies to kind of get this, <laughs> but you've got time. It's not like you're saying you've got to watch 10 movies no. to get this. So, I, you know, I kind or of... 28. Or 28. Or Marvel, 28, yeah. All you really have to do is watch the first one. Like, this one feels more like a direct sequel to that first one than anything else. Even though they do reference, yeah. obviously, all the other movies. Like, this feels like a direct sequel. And, like... I mean, the only thing I could see people getting lost on if they haven't seen the movies is be like, who the fuck is the guy that she keeps seeing in the mirror? Or like, you don't need to know that, that, though. You don't need to know that because they already mentioned that it's her father. And all you need to know is that her father was a serial killer. True. When you see yeah. the picture yeah. of him, too. They show, they show the picture of him. Yeah, that's why you're like, OK, that I can buy that because that I don't necessarily need to have that experience that, <laughs> yeah. of that first film. They might be more con- confused by Sydney. If she yeah. doesn't do much. Why That's is true. she there? Yeah. Well, she's. Well, we'll, we'll talk about why, she, why she's there. Be, well, we'll talk about that later on too. You know, there's somebody that's listening to this podcast that gets upset when I when I start to tease what we're going to talk about yeah. later on, or like, <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that in the actress. Some guys out there. Like, that's what you call moderating, anyway. Before I become Richie from this movie, we should probably uh, mention the fact that this movie is actually getting good reviews, uh, quite good reviews, much better than the last few movies, actually. And I'm wondering if that might... I'm kidding. Horror audiences don't give a shit what critics think. But it is still getting a pretty respectable response on on Metacritic, which I think is a much valuable resource than Rotten Tomatoes, where if you say something's fine 100 times, it gets 100%. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it's, I'm very curious to see what happened, folks. Well, I just hope that the critical and commercial response gets us Scream 2. Because it would just be great to... It's to just keep gets, calling it Scream 2? yeah. You know what it would have been great if this Scream movie kills. was really if these movies were coming out like every few years it would have been great if they just called this stab yeah to really just fuck release with a everything. stab movie you know what might be everything. really cool that this has not been done in sequels the next sequel they just make a stab movie like right. actually like I, yeah. I think that would be that's like to me the next logical step that's your way of remaking um, something right yeah I yeah no I like that idea I just think that with what they built in this movie that. They did what part four couldn't do, exactly. Which I think, yeah. which I think, is actually merited um, characters I want to see again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I d- would I I don't even know if I would mind if the original characters didn't come back from the next movie. If it just followed yeah, the characters they introduced in this movie, oh, they finally did it. I think they've kind of to quote the film, passed the torch yeah. in a way that is I thought satisfying to some level. I mean, at least at this point, being the fourth sequel to you know a movie I love. <laughs> To have pulled off what they did, in my opinion, I think it's kind of a win. So, uh, although I, I would absolutely also go see a stab film if they just decided to do that, that would be hilarious. Well, Mac, I hate to cut you off here, but I'm hearing sirens, and it's official. We're all under arrest, and we're all being taken to the Woodsboro Police Station. Okay, everybody, listen up. Let me just say, uh, the killing of these these teenagers has been tragic, but. Uh, Hey, you know, shit happens. Sheriff! 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 Sheriff!
Yeah, so throughout the last 12 months, we've really gone into detail as we've learned details about the Scream 5 pre-production and production. So we've really gone to details about, you know, this used to be, this used to be belong to Harvey Weinstein. May he rest in peace. Hopefully he's dead by the time this comes out. <laughs> Merrimax became Weinstein Company. They lost it. Dimension Films, goodbye. Paramount Pictures and Spyglass Entertainment now released Scream 5 into the world. But let's talk a little bit more about who wrote and directed this. Because like I said earlier... Kevin Williamson gets an executive producer credit, and it feels like he was somewhat involved in this. I did see him on set a lot. He's been talking about the movie a lot. Now, as fans of John Carpenter, we also realize that executive producer means you want the movie to make money, so you make some good money. But I, I do feel like Kevin Williamson's heart is in the right place when it comes to this. It feels like he's really on board. He's not trying to dismiss it or uh, separate himself from the pack, as it were. But let's talk about first... Before we get into the, the Radio Silence crew, let's talk about two people who are credited for co-writing this film. And let's get the first person out of the way. Uh, not to sound totally dismissive, but God. this guy, his name is Guy Busick. Or Busick. Who knows? Because he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. I mean, what kind of a guy is this? His only real credits are he's written some, he wrote some Castle Rock episodes. Remember Castle Rock? Oh, yeah. Uh, Stand Against Evil with the great John C. McGinley, I believe. Is that right? Isn't that right? Yeah, that's him. That's him. Okay. And Ready or Not. I finally watched that today. Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second too, Mike. All right. Mike, please hold off. Please hold off and you can talk about Ready or Not in a few minutes. It's trying to piss people off. We'll get to that later. But the second person, yeah, we'll get to that later. The second person who co-wrote this is somebody of note. James Vanderbilt. Mike's no brother. No, <laughs> I don't think of... Is this like the movie Scream 5 where yeah. <laughs> James left the family when you were really young? And All, right. All right. Hold on a second. Strange. If the Halloweenies podcast had a stab version of the podcast, mm. what would it be called? Halloweeners? No, it would be oh, something... Eve. It would be, so, it would be another... Like, it would be another... Nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Streeters. Elm Streeters. Elm Streeters. Nightmare. Friday. Jasons. Jasons. The podcast. Uh, Screamies, right? Screamies. <laughs> like Spookies. And now I do have a, a relative who's a writer. A cousin of mine is a New York Times bestselling writer out in New York, Brooklyn, of course. And he married an M2 VJ, uh, Tom Vanderbilt. Does some pretty cool stuff. Look him up. Oh, cool. They say the great Philip Roth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Brent King. Easton Ellis. Uh, oh God. Uh, okay, James Vanderbilt. Though he he co-produced Ready or Not, but let's really focus on what else he's written because he's written a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that people know about. This isn't just some low budget independent stuff. The Great Darkness Falls. Keep that in mind for later on in this podcast. Basic. Saw the theaters. Which I believe was the last John McTiernan movie. A pretty accurate title for that movie. I think, I, so. I think that was my review on Letterboxd. Is basic. <laughs> the title sells it. The Rundown, Peter, Peter Berg. Berg, Rock movie, which in my opinion might still be peak rock in terms of movie stardom. And yeah. that was his first movie. I think yeah, so. but peak rock is like yeah, below everyone else in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> I'm not talking about his ensemble work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm saying Very like, underrated at the time. It still is, I think. Yeah. The Rundown. Yeah. yeah. That's a I good like one. Zodiac. Watermark. 
for God's sake, Zodiac. I believe he's the sole credited writer on that, by the it's way. It's his high watermark. Yeah. Yes. It's incredible. It's, it's almost hard to um, the top of that, but why not try with The Losers? <laughs> one of the worst movies of all time. In my, no, no hyperbole. A very, very bad movie. A- another Losers. accurate title. Am I right, with boys? The, yes. Oh, oh boy. With a great cast, though. Great cast. How could it go wrong? The title. Good comic, too, but yeah. We talked about comic book. We talked about Spider-Man No Way Home battling it out against Scream 2022. How about the amazing Spider-Man himself, Andrew Garfield, whose role uh, was originally written by James Vanderbilt and the amazing Spider-Man. Well, what's interesting about that is that he was originally attached to Spider-Man 4. Because because around around the time that Zodiac came out, I remember when they were like, "Oh, Vanderbilt's going to be tapped to do Spider Man 4 and it has just come out. Mike, 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 you got to be specific. When you say Vanderbilt, they might think you mean Mike Vanderbilt. I had a moment there for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. When when little Mikey Vanderbilt was uh, attached, but no, I remember being really excited because uh, you know we had just seen Zodiac. Spider-Man 3 was eh, not great, but then they were like, all right, this guy is going to come in. He's going to do Spider-Man 4. So I do wonder how much of that stuff that he had written for Spider-Man 4 ended up in Amazing Spider-Man because, you know, they had been teasing Lizard forever. So who knows? But that's true. White House Down. Never saw it. Now that Jamie Foxx movie, right? It's a fun yeah, movie. It's a fun movie. Yeah. yeah, I generally like Roland Emmerich because I'm looking forward to Moonfall. Well, speaking of Roland Emmerich, here comes Vanderbilt. Here's your hot take for the episode. Oh, your no. favorite oh, fucking man. movie, oh, Independence God. Day. What's it called again? Resurgence. Resurgence. Like, excuse me. Look, it, I like this movie. I like this. This movie. is your chance to shine. It's, it's exactly what you expect from an Independence Day sequel. The only thing that would have been proved it would be the appearance of Will Smith. Well, he was a, he did appear on on a poster, I believe, in somebody's office. Count. Get out of here, <laughs> Max. Right. Matt Gerber's he face does. when you were talking about that looked like he was shot in the head. <laughs> we didn't know it. I, 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 it took everything. I was actually like stabbing myself in my leg, trying not to say anything. I, I, I feel like I, I think I just have a higher tolerance. Either you want to say appreciation or tolerance for trash. Maybe I, think I, was, I don't know. I want to say that was when I realized I needed to get out of the media industry. Because I, I just remember <laughs> this is what we're going to get for like the next cute few summers. It's just this My, is it. Mine was the film Cemetery of Splendor. Oh, I know. By the director of yeah. the great Uncle, no joke, the great Uncle Boon Me. Uh, Cemetery of Splendor, I remember watching that and, and thinking, I don't have anything I want to say about this movie. I don't ever want to talk about movies the rest of my life. Like it, it broke me in half how mad I got that movie. But people I remember love it. we got pens though. We got pen like a pen to pen to your t shirt mm. of uh um Cemetery of Splendor? Oh no, for Independence yeah, Day Resurgence. Cemetery of Splendor, yeah. <laughs> They're really selling that hard commercially. Uh, Speaking of murder though, murder mystery. Uh, I believe the Adam Sandler film oh, Murder Mystery. On Netflix. I've uh, I've seen it. I do know a movie that, that Dan Caffrey will be seeing that he's involved with Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Yeah, the, I mean, it's James two, Vanderbilt. It's two, it's, I guess, three of my favorite things now uh, Adam Sandler, Transformers, and then, <laughs> okay, wait, Sandman's in, uh, he's, he's in the Rise of the Beasts, right? Uh, no, 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 hold on. I, I mean, oh, Vanderbilt's I was, also writing that. You think oh, that I was like, Sandler's oh, wow. going to be a Transformers James, movie? Wait, James Vanderbilt or Mike James Vanderbilt? James Vanderbilt, excuse me, James Van, Mike Vanderbilt, no, Mike, well, let's, let's verify this right now for the podcast. Are you, do you have any involvement in Transformers Rise of the Beasts? I should just say that. I don't know why they haven't called me. Where are you seeing that, Justin? To the bottom. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that on his credits, but go ahead. Oh, Mac, you challenging me here? <laughs> I just asked you where you saw it because I'm on IMDb. It's not. Listed. It's on the Wikipedia, it Wikipedia under yeah. filmography. Oh, okay. 
And we, as we know, if we talk Wikipedia, hundred percent foolproof. So if y'all get me on board to help with uh, help my brother James with Transformers Rise of the Beast, I will bring back Hot Rod and Wheelie. It's a two for one deal. I know y'all hate Wheelie, but he's coming oh, back great. too. All right, Caffrey's a huge Transformers fan. So I really, I really like. This is wheelie. probably the longest we spent on on a director, right? Just because <laughs> oh, I got bad news for you. We haven't gotten to the directors yet. These are the writers. <laughs> oh, that's right. This is the writer. Yeah. Uh, this is easily the longest. I hope this has paid off for all of you. We, think we could have just rattled these off in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if we did that, it wouldn't be the Halloween's podcast. So that's a wrap on that. But I will say, speaking of team ups uh, between Vanderbilt and Caffrey doing a Transformers movie. Let's talk about a team-up of Radio Silence, and in this case, two members from Radio Silence, Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler, uh, I think it's Tyler Gillette. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it a hard G? Or is I think it, it is uh, Gillette. I think it's Gillette, yeah. It's not like the Razor, which is a soft G for those out there. Gillette, the best a man can get. Uh, these <laughs> guys kind of got their real big start in uh, the VHS series. They did the sequence 103198. Uh, the sequence. I think it's it's like a exorcism in a house that these three guys stumble into, right? Yeah, that, it's like a haunted house. VHS. It's one of the. It's actually the creepiest oh, segment. Great. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and they're the st- they're the guy. They're the stars. The radio sounds guys are actually the people in that. Which are they also did the by Bloody Disgusting. Bloody Disgusting. And speaking of Bloody Disgusting and Brad Miska, uh, they also were involved with Southbound, mm-hmm. and they did the wraparound stories in that. You know, they did a movie called Devils Do, which I have not seen. Have, have any of you seen that? I want to say I've seen it like years ago. I can't remember now at this point, but it does ring a bell. Yeah. Never saw it. But they, uh, of course, they did Ready or Not. Now, I think, Vanderbilt, you just saw it for the first I time. Just, I finally watched it, yeah. I, I I enjoyed that film. The rest of you also yeah. enjoy Ready mm-hmm. or Not? Yeah, I watched it on a plane. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Three and a half out of four for me. Three and a half out of four? Yeah. Wow. that's a That's a pretty big rating for you. I think it really captured the vibe of those kind of weirder and wilder 80s horror comedies. Yeah. I like right down to the final line. And the yeah, cut I, to some black. people don't like the ending, which we won't spoil, but I actually do like the ending there. I like very funny, kind of too. Wrong. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, Matthew, you have not seen it. No. Ready or not, I'm coming at you with well, questions. Well, I didn't. I put it off because originally I thought we might watch it uh, this month. Oh, before we were teasing, was... maybe doing that initially a long time ago. So, uh, but I will be checking it out now that I've seen Five Cream. It's fun. I mean, for me, out of those two family murder mysteries, you know, kind of a murder mystery movie. I thought that was the the better one out of you know between like that and Knives Out, like in terms of that type of ensemble murder keeper type of thing. Oh, I thought you were. I thought and, you were referring to your next. For I was like, oh, I think you're next. Eat the rich kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like I just thought that this was a little more fun and had it was definitely more tongue in cheek. So like when they were announced and attached to this, there wasn't even like a eyebrows raised or anything. It was kind of just like, yeah, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Like I I the 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 level of humor and stakes and thrills, it absolutely made sense that they would be doing a screen movie. Um, Mike, you would think that that you would strip to that because what better way to transition into what these people did with the Scream franchise? Because this is really brand new territory for everybody. There is no lingering history with Wes Craven, who sadly passed away, which we mentioned. Kevin Williamson did not have anything to do with the script this time. Kind of a brand new baby. It's, it's been given to a brand new family. And you mentioned, you know, Radio Silence is all about 
family, right? And the relationship and getting into a family. And this is kind of about, this movie is about, I hate to sound too hyperbolic, like you're really searching for themes here, but really it's, it's about like kind of family and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. A lot of the movie is, whether it's with the older characters or with the, or with the newer characters. And how do you feel that the, that those themes landed in this movie there, especially with the fresh cast, like the one that we got in this one, Mac, what, what do you think about that? In terms of the, those themes landing in this movie that yeah. makes fun of horror movies that are highbrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Exactly. I, I thought they did a really good job. Again, this, I, I, I really thought that they were able to accomplish something that some of these other films have not been able to do, which is introduce a new cast of characters that I actually care about. Mm-hmm. I am actually interested in them. I don't want them to just die. They're not all just total assholes or, or like really into themselves or just the stereotypical versions of characters. I just felt like even though Kevin Williamson wasn't writing this, it felt like a Kevin Williamson script and not in a forced way, in my opinion. But yeah, those themes, the, the, the family stuff, the end land it did land for me personally. I mean, I, I don't know. Did you did it not land for anybody else here? Yeah, Vanderbilt. What, what about you? I know. I think you thought it was pretty good. But what did you, what was your overall take on, on the themes or the storytelling aspect of the movie? Well, I think the themes in the story all worked better. I mean, I thought it was an interesting take making the villains kind of the heroes yeah. of the thing because scream or stab eight rather sounds like it fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, good point, good point. look at it like that, Vanderbilt. I see what you're saying here. But uh, back to, uh, now, that was the Hollywood Squares answer. Now I'll give the the real answer. That was the Paul Lind answer. <laughs> I thought thematically out there. it worked uh, to what Mac was saying. I was invested in the kids and the adults. In fact, I think Mac, you said earlier that you would have been happy if those characters didn't even show up. The legacy well, no, characters, I mean, if, if they made another one, I think that I would have been, I would be fine if like they just didn't come back because now there's an incident that solely, I mean, they are a part of on the periphery. You know what I mean? Like they, right. I mean, they're there, but now it's kind of like you've got enough people to kind of carry it on. Enough people lived. In this yeah, movie Dewey, Dewey's to, gone to, to move into Sydney, a new one where Sidney yeah. sat on the sidelines. I can't imagine Gail coming back. Since Dewey's not there. So let's just... Well, let we got those... some breaking news here. Uh, Billy D. Williams will be showing up in Stream 6. <laughs> 2024, so... I'd watch that to movie. Because I didn't, I didn't mind that one either. The one where Billy D. Williams showed up. No, I, I, uh, I, I think actually the, the point that Max hit upon of just creating and carving out memorable characters, especially new characters, is is certainly the the greatest takeaway with this movie for me also because that's my biggest issue with Scream 4. I mean, I wasn't on that that episode with you guys, but I mean, that's my biggest gripe with that movie is it just feels sort of like a a shrug me sort of passerby fan sort of hey, here you go, here's another movie. Whereas with this one like I felt like there was such a focus on creating some depth with some characters. I mean, they're, granted, we'll talk about the characters in a little bit, and there's certainly some where I'm like, all right, well, this is just fodder and red herrings. But there are some on here that I, I do agree that, yeah, it did feel like there was the spirit of Kevin Williamson again, where it did feel like these were some – it kind of gave us those characters that win you over with just one little lines or like some sort of nuanced like body humor and, and stuff like that, which is something that they really hallmarked in even Scream 3 and Scream 2, I mean, mm-hmm. especially. But um, I felt that that really hit home for me. And also it's something that I, I, I talked a lot about in the Scream 2 episode is the power of the reunion. 
And I would argue that the reunion of the characters, even when they're on the phone calls, hit harder than it was the most I've I've, I've felt. That, like I felt a bruise in the in a way that I felt in the same way of like Scream Two when they get back together. And to build off that, I think one of the reasons versus four, which I think Scream Five kind of negates. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think you really oh, need totally. four outside yeah. of the introduction of uh, Judy Hicks. Yeah, and the exit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is is that there's been enough? T- there's really been enough time now that it it feels the reunion pays off. It feels more uh-huh. real. It feels like there's more stakes. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I wish that this was just the kind of the fall up to three because I just feel like you'd you'd feel that sort of weight of time a little bit more. Like when I'm back with these characters, I don't know. It just hit me in a way that hadn't since the second one. Where I'm like, wow, they're all back together again. Dan, what you about could, you? Because we all obviously yeah. rewatched these over the last year, kind of one by one. How do you feel the reunion landed? And and again, like the storytelling in this versus previous sequels, for that matter. I thought it was great. I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. And a big part of it, I mean, I thought about this while I was watching. I know, I know a little bit of the criticisms around the movie, even though it is getting you know positive reviews, is that, oh, it's... Everyone's so witty. Everyone's always commenting on everything, et cetera. And I understand that. And I think the t- your tolerance for that is just going to vary person to person. But the reason it worked for me is because it kind of called out all the bullshit marketing we've seen on Halloween and Halloween yeah. Kills and Jigsaw, yeah. whatever else. Like, you know, I mean, movies I like, but also I, I, I think for once I did need some of that self-referentiality because, oh. it, because it is kind of silly. And I know I always make fun of like studios saying, oh, well, we're, we're honoring the past, but also forging forward in a new direction. I think this movie actually did that. And I think because it was so honest about what it was, knew what it was saying, it was, it was straight up about it in the movie. And that, that just like, it, I like that winking at the audience. I kind of, I kind yeah. of, it's part of Scream. That horror movie. That's yeah, the that whole point scream. of yeah. the series. Yeah. Like anybody who's it, whining about that needs to get with it. In yeah, fact, like, I don't it, think they didn't go hard enough really taking the task that a lot of these requels are bad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think, think there they were definitely a couple lines though where they bit. did say, like, see, that's the thing about this. I really wanted to go back and really because there was so many lines of dialogue. I was like, yeah. oh, that's a great line. That's I a know, great I line. Wish, yeah, there, for were, sure. there were some instances of them literally saying, talking about the sequel, saying the only good one is the original. Yeah. Yeah. Almost saying like the only good scream was the original. Well, and, there was one part that kind of suggested that too, which I thought was interesting. I will say this too. I think we I think we talked about that. I mean, I wasn't on the trailer episode, but I, at some point, either either over text or or on um on the podcast recording i think when we found out the name was scream that it had the same title as the original i remember us being like how oh, that sucks they always do that but then i remember us saying unless it's like commenting on that which it kind of was and i and, I, and they I, do comment on it and i felt like that was really woven successfully throughout and and i don't know i mean we, we've talked about the i will say too this is the first i think the first franchise we've covered where the first one started when we were all like way past getting into horror movies right like we like i mean we always talk about growing up with these franchises and we we've grown up with all of them to an extent so far but like halloween there was so much going on with it before i got to it right same thing with with even even evil dead to an an extent which we'll do and um friday the rest of it like this was this was you know it was a thing i saw the first one i saw in theaters i was 12 and it was an event when every single one came out and so i think for the returning characters like yeah, you're always going to have that baked in nostalgia that's just going to work either way. You know, and that holy trinity, they're all good actors. But yeah, it really did. And, and I kind of knew if they were going to kill a, a returning character, it's going to be Dewey, right? One and of them had to go. Yeah, and I you all predicted all... it. And, 
But it was, it, was, happen, right? it, it was gutting. And I think it's also because they joke about, oh yeah, he got, yeah, you've been stabbed a million times and they make a point when he gets killed. Like, oh, we like, no, we're really showing this guy's fucking dead now. Yeah, really no, dead. They did. I love that. He gets that, stabbed in the same places he's, he was stabbed in previous movies. In the I was back. thinking about it. Here's the thing for me, because even going in, I, I suspected it was going to be Dewey. Not even just the trailers felt like somebody's going to die. I just feel like that had to happen. He's the most the tragic stakes. character too. I think but what was more shocking to me is that when I really thought back on the movie is it's not like Gail has a last second of peace with him mm-hmm. after 25 years. Like he kind of, he dismisses her mm-hmm. when he leaves. And that's the yeah. last time she ever sees him. And then he's dead. Well, and I feel like that's as, that to me is as brutal as Randy getting killed in the second one. It's not giving, and I mean, this in the positive storytelling way is not letting every character off the hook, not letting every character that chance of, Redemption, like, oh, you know, I loved you most of all. Like, no. Although, he's dead. That's the he to live with that. You know what I mean? Think well, about their parents. That, but- Dewey and Tatum's parents. That sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> awful. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's similar to the Randy death in that it's it's merciless in that the thing that they love is the thing that gets them killed. In that mm-hmm. Randy's spouting out references left and right and is so in- involved in that that he doesn't see the killer opening up the door and cl- catching him. And literally, Gail calls him and he checks the phone and that's what gets him killed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Something I didn't like about that to nitpick. I, I kind of refuse to believe at this point, after being stabbed nine million times, after five movies, that Dewey would be distracted by a fucking phone call. I think he would for, I don't know, I bought that. I think he get, would, yeah. but you, do you know why, Vanderbilt? Why? you said nine million. By the, by the two millionth time, he should have picked up on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> he should have never been stabbed another seven million times. Like so anything, I feel like he, sh- he should have had one moment like where either he unmasked the killer or I thought it would have been cool if the killer actually did get killed. If they killed one I, of them halfway well, I through. I thought they were going to reveal one halfway I through. Thought right? I, thought that That's what I, I thought, thought the yeah. same thing, that they were going to reveal one of the killers halfway through and then we were going to get like a really weird rest of the movie because or like an interrogation scene or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. To all your point about the title being Scream and how we we railed on it about that, that it is also very much, um, you know, obviously commenting on it. But there were a lot of things in the film where I I was kind of disappointed, like, oh, we're we're doing this again. And we talked about this in the in the the trailer episode about they kind of already did this with four where they were trying to Mm -hmm. kind of remake it without doing the requel thing. But God damn it, because of the rules, which we'll go over soon and stuff, I kind of was like, I understand they're commenting on that, too, by doing this. So I was like, I got to give it a pass again. Yeah. Well, I think what we were saying, Mac, and what you were really pointing on last night, Mac, when we were talking, is that when I first when I walked out, I thought, oh, this is kind of they're really doing the same thing. But I thought, oh, no, that's literally the point is that they're it's 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 like a lot of sequels these days. I know, Mike, this is obviously a. Mike, I should specify, like much like James Vanderbilt is not Mike Vanderbilt. I'm talking to Mike Rothman right now, not Mike Vanderbilt. But Mike, your big problem with the uh, the Star Wars sequel trilogy is that, and even this movie comments on it a little bit, is that they're basically remakes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Masks. And so the ending of this movie, right down to the location, which was planned upon by the killers in this movie, not just the writers of the movie Scream 2022, it's all a deliberate act to, on their end sounds like i'm already sounding like i'm in the fucking matrix right now i'm uh, like a fucking puzzle here but it's it's a complicated thing when you really think about it the fil- the killers themselves richie and what's amber. her name again is it amber. amber amber they are trying to make a a twist 
on a sequel, right? Because they're trying to frame the sister and that, that being like a big turn that a lot of people want from sequels. They want things to go away from what the original source material is, really subvert, right? But what they don't realize is that Radio Silence and Company, because they're making it that the killers are literally doing just that, just recreating the original movie again. So I think there's a lot of themes that go on. And if anybody wants to transcribe that and try to make sense <laughs> of it, I promise you it makes sense if you see it. There's two different things going on here in terms of the story structure. I totally, I totally get what you're saying, and that actually adds another level to it where they're making – the killers in the movie in trying to make their sequel are making all the same mistakes, mistakes. that the makers of all these other requels – yeah, exactly. Vanderbilt, well, that's right. I should have gone through that. I my notes first and said, can you just stick this down to like a tweet, please? <laughs> I speak in tweet. I knew you were joking about like not being able to understand it, but, I, but part of the beauty of the movie too is like I thought I had this thought when um, Randy's niece was <laughs> she's like, she's watching Stab, which is yep. like the riff on Scream, which was the riff on Halloween, and it's all contained in this new. I mean, it's 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 like a, the Ouroboros in a really fun way. I think like it, it's a Russian doll, right? It's it, you've got the, nest, the him Russian nesting doll yeah. on the screen, yelling to turn around, about to be killed, and then she's saying the same thing to that person who's telling that person, and she's about to get killed. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fun that's being had here. There's a lot. I mean, of fun that's the, being the only and in that respect, I think the movie kind of checks off every box. And I think that they actually take some daring risks in that respect. And this is something that Mike and I were texting about last night. After yeah, because the, the Gerber boys didn't want to talk to, about it at all when I yeah. got it in the theater. And I had to like just bite my tongue. But I also didn't want to stand around in a circle with the other film critics and have cagey comments, you know, where you really couldn't truly discuss it. You know? Yeah, because my, my biggest gripe. for the pod, Mike. Right. Well, my, my biggest gripe. Save it for the pod. Yeah, I, I, I mean, my biggest gripe is just the... I feel like they kind of reach a safe landing with the toxic fandom because I feel like that's kind of like you're preaching to a choir and I, I, necess- I don't necessarily think it's a nuanced argument. I, I just don't. I just think that the idea that they just kind of beat the the, the horse, or you know, they just kind of beat a dead horse by just being like the toxic phantom and blah blah blah. I just think it's so safe because like by going with that, it's just like. Well, yeah, duh. Now you're just, I mean, you're just having people eating out of your hand. Whereas, like, I think it's actually a more stronger argument if you just kind of lo- talk about fandom as a whole. Like, I, I don't know if it right. necessarily I agree needs with to that. go that route. Like, I don't know. It's, that was it's my. Not, it's, it's not that daring. You're, 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 you're catering. <laughs> they are catering to the audience mm-hmm. the way something like Rise of Skywalker is intended to cater to yeah, an yeah. audience. Exactly. Yes? Oh, I, yeah. I, I almost agree with both of you in a way because I do think it's a little sloppy in the execution because mm-hmm. throughout the movie, even in the beginning, they are kind of taking shots at everything. They actually are taking shots at elevated horror, even though I do swear Justin, to God, Justin I could have sworn that the- they were like – I started looking – I started like tapping Vanderbilt. He like, gave me the fist reads bump. reads like a when- Vanderbilt tweet. Um, <laughs> the but, Babadook line or whatever? No, well, I, mean, I hated the Babadook line, but the line about – yeah, but Elevated the, horror. Elevated, elevated horror. horror. He goes, well, that sounds kind of boring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think so they do take subtle shots at people who use the phrase. And listen, I definitely use that in the past. All right, it just that's just a, a subgenre. It's almost become its own title. Well, the horror Twitter says you're not allowed to use it, so you know. They can well, kiss my I, ass. I understand, and I, and I wish everybody the best of luck in these times, <laughs> as always. But you know, they, they poke a little fun at the people who only like the critically acclaimed movies. Uh, yeah, and they also poke fun at the people who want the trash, and they make fun of people who. 
who want things to stay the same. And they want things, they, they also kind of make fun of people who want things to change. But they do kind of condense it a little too sweet, Mike, like you said. And I, once again, Mike Vanderbilt, excuse me, Mike Rothman, where. We are in agreement. To just make statement. it Reddit. Yeah. I, I think we may, Mac, I don't know, but what about you, Mac? What do you think about the ending of the movie? The ultimate resolution of why this is happening? Uh, you know, I guess I walked, I walked away thinking that's fine because what was a better ending? At this point, being the fourth sequel to the, like, what, because I'll tell you right now, I, I don't love The Killer from 3. I don't know if I buy and or love The Killers from 2, although I like the movie. And I don't know if I buy or like The Killers from 4. Like, so I don't think it, so that didn't bother me so much, not sticking the landing, because that was always, to me, not going to live up to any expectations, because it's like, what could that possibly be? That was gonna that would blow my mind, and I thought that there was, I was like okay the toxic fandom thing all right whatever I, I mean yeah I, I get what they were trying to do is is that they're saying Hollywood's unoriginal so we're trying to create a new reality that this can be now based on which I think was also kind of tapping into the idea of all you know true crime and everything's everything is now uh, a documentary or a movie based on some true crime element or something that's happened out there like with serial killers could have done more with um, that. Yeah, I think if they yeah. leaned into that idea more, like the Billy Loomis serial killer, the daughter of a serial killer, they leaned more into that and just kind of trying to create, like we're trying to create a new thing or whatever so that we can do a true crime podcast or something like that on it. That would have been very first clever. Hit, first I like time. that. You know, that, that I, feel like, that I do feel like the, the true crime podcast was captured beautifully in 2018's Halloween. So I don't know if we needed to <laughs> expound <laughs> anymore upon my, that. My, my issue isn't the landing <laughs> in terms of getting into fandom. My issue is in the term uh, – is just in the, the ease of just hammering down the point of like toxic fans. Like my problem with that is that it, it, it kind of makes the movie critic-proof in a way. Because <laughs> And this is where I get into a lot yes. of gripes about a lot of stuff today is that – you know, it's like what Paul Feig did with Ghostbusters. Like, if you don't like this, then you hate women. And, you know, and then it's like, if or I, you know, it, it's like the don't look up of horror movies, right? Like, if you don't like this movie, you don't like, you don't agree with climate change. You don't think climate change is a real thing. Yeah, theme. but I mean, <laughs> Rob, but I, I, I got to say to your point, as we walked out of the theater, when the lights came up, I looked at Justin, I says, you know, they're fucking talking about us, right? Well, that's my thing. It's like, well, that's my thing is that like, you know, you, you listen to our like Halloween coverage and stuff. And I'm sure people will be like, oh, this is toxic phantom. They just want your own thing. But here's the difference. I'm not sitting here saying I have ownership over this thing, which is like the same reason. It's like that same stupid blanket excuse when people say, oh, you're a quote unquote butthurt, which is the dumbest fucking term ever. But like, my thing is, my thing is, it's not about ownership for me. It stems from being disappointed at talented people taking a swing (laughs) and fumbling at their opportunity when the odds are in their favor. Like, and that's yeah, the case with I Halloween. I don't, you know, David Gordon Green's a fucking great director. And I think that he made a shit film. And I am disappointed by that. I'm not disappointed by like, oh, they took my characters and they did this thing. That's not my thing. <laughs> and I think the problem nowadays is that anytime that you criticize anything, you're considered a toxic fan. And so I think that in, in, in my respect, I would have just leaned in on just fandom in general and just just as opposed to leaning in on these buzzword that I personally think has been totally run run around as a flag banner statement that kind of encompasses things that don't even really fit into it. And if the the film is so smart at being able to kind of look at the nuances of what elevated horror is and all this other stuff that they've been talking about and recalls, I feel like they absolutely lean into the, the, the sort of generalization that, that comes with toxic horror or toxic fandom. It could have been more nuanced. 
You think that yeah. they lean into like the let people love things category? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where the, the, that third act, in addition to being almost too close to the original film, kind of was starting to lose me. Yeah. Honestly, for me, the third act was the. Stu- I mean, I think we all agree the stu- the re- the reveal that it's Stu's house landed like a dud for me because it it seemed really clear from the get go it was Stu's house, like because it, yeah. it looks so much <laughs> like it. So I was like, wait, right, right. and and it just seems like kind of a kind of a lazy plot point. And I, I don't know. And I, it's I don't know if I would have felt this way had it not been on the screen for episode. But, which I didn't have a problem with this, but once Mac brought it up, I'm like, oh yeah, he's right. about like the teens always having the parties during this. And granted, like, I guess oh, you yeah. could, I guess you could argue now that it is the killer who had it, so she was doing it on purpose. But I, but when the parties started happening, I was just like, ah, this again, you know? Um, yes, yeah. but I will say, I, I almost again. fist pumped because Richie actually says, "Wow, oh, they're having, a, they're actually having parties during <laughs> yeah, it." Yeah, really uh, uh, which is funny because he was actually the killer, obviously. Okay, I do have a question here. So he was a fan. I, I, I don't know. So there's stuff like that that's very sharp. Yeah, I think right, where yeah. he's obviously it's just, a fan of series. It's just not as series. tight as it could because t- I feel like the movie's pretty tight. I do think it gets a little loose at the end. I would agree with everybody here. Yeah. It's not as tight. A yeah, third act is my least ones. favorite part. I, I uh, love the draft. way it ended and everything. One more draft. Yeah, we should get you on top of that, Mister uh, Vanderbilt. I, I should have talked, talked to James. I should have talked to James about that. Yeah. Okay, I do have a question here that I think. Vanderbilt, you brought this up briefly last night, and, and in terms of fifth entries in horror franchises, it's hard. It's hard to make a second hey, good movie in a franchise, right? So not where, everything can be Silent Night, Dead Night Five, The Toy, uh, The Toy Maker, of course. Oh God, that okay. movie fucking sucks. <laughs> oh, you it's saw it? Mike Robin saw I it. I've watched all of them. That movie's awful. Oh wow, you're out of your mind. The, the, the sequels are all garbage. I, don't, I, don't I like think you're them. thinking of four. Uh, you thinking about the invitation? Yeah, the invitation is pretty bad. Okay, yeah. anyway, I do have some questions here. So, okay, <laughs> let's think about horror movies with five entries that are on the same timeline. So, I, I, Silent Night, Deadly Night, once part four kicks in, it's a totally different movie. It's like the summer in L.A. with Christmas decorations. <laughs> Nothing to do with Billy. It's its own thing. So, like, okay, so let's say... Saw 5? Is this greater or worse than <laughs> Saw 5? Oh, greater. Real quick roundtables. We're not going to discussions. So, Dan Caffrey. Greater than, and I like Saw 5, but it's greater than Saw 5. Vanderbilt. I haven't seen Saw 5, but I'm going to say greater than Saw 5. Tonight, you must watch Saw 5. <laughs> we'll come back. Uh, Mac, Saw 5. Oh, greater. Rothman. Uh, greater. Okay. Uh, this is a little, a little trickier, in my opinion. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, Dan Caffrey. Oh, man. I think I really it's underrated, the, so it's tough. It's I tough. really like the Dream Child. I, 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 I love yeah. the Dream Child. Oh, man. It's also very unfair because we've been living with that movie for almost 30 years. And yeah. we've been living hey, with this for 20 let, 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 let me jump in and help Dan out with his answer. Equal to. Okay, okay This sure. is equal to. I would say equal to. Yeah. I would say equal to. It's on that same level. We can allow that. We Agreed. can allow that. Mac, the tough questions tonight. Yeah, that's tough. I think Dream Child, but that's because I think dream, up until Dream Child, there's better movies consistently than. Mm. And the scream. comp, the comp. Alone, yeah, I mean, right? like, okay. yeah. Rothman, what do you think, though? I'm going to go with Dream Child. I think it's a better movie. Yeah, underrated. I still think it's. I think bad. it's underrated. You want to talk about switching things up? Well, it's very similar. It's very, and I was thinking about this because, I, I mean, this is a take that I'll take now. I guess this is like a potpourri of th- stuff that I'll probably be repeating the whole movie. But I, this is the most violent scream, and. I mm-hmm. was thinking about it, and you have to go violent because, and you, you, you know, it became a fucking blockbuster comedy by three. So, what are you going to do? You're going to keep going funny and get loony and get, become scary movie, which they already did. 
the same year as they did the Scream 3 comedy. <laughs> but then what did they do with Nightmare 5? They tried to get scary again. You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. granted, Robert England didn't get the message, but the rest of the film did. And it gets violent again, like after 4, which is fucking MTV Freddy. And so I think that it's very similar in the ways that they they approach the, the fifth sequel here. I wanted to add to that because something I thought about while I was watching the movie about this one getting so much more violent than the other ones and comparing it to Halloween 2018 and why mm-hmm. it works here and why it doesn't work there is that it's the same killer from Halloween 78 that's in Halloween 2018. Every Scream film has a different killer. So these point. kids yeah. would have a uh, a different style. And to that requel thing, they know that you need to make it bigger and better and badder. Mm-hmm. You guys think it's weird. I was, I had this thought during the movie because obviously this, you know, the screen franchise has its flaws. Like three has got some really cringy moments, even four, which I like, I think humor. I thought this actually nailed the humor pretty well for yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the Anthony Anderson shit goes a little too far for me, but I was thinking, I'm like, wow, look what you can do when you stick to the same timeline. This is my argument personified and, and, and in a lot of ways. It's crazy that that's like a rarity now. I was thinking about that. I'm like, it's it, it's nuts to me like how much stuff has been. And I'm not like anti-remake necessarily, but like all the all the, the convoluted timelines of all these horror movies, I'm like, man, when you have like a consistent story you tell over however many decades, I mean, it really just pays off in a way that I feel like Halloween you know, falters on. I, I agree 100%. I, agree I mean, it's think about Cobra Kai. Like the Mike was texting about <laughs> Cobra Kai is like the only good legacy sequel that's out. The there. only I one. Agree. I agree. I mean, but the thing that's that Cobra Kai does is that it finds a way at legitimizing its blemishes. And think about like even the fact that we have Randy's sister appears here, and it's more grounded and more realistic than the stupid cameo she has in Scream Three. Thousand percent agree. And but it. it, it finds a way to legitimize it. And that's what yep. Cobra Kai is, as opposed to reboot things like, you know, how we franchise does. You're saying, what you're saying is we and fucked this, it up so fucking bad, the only thing we can do is start fresh, or yeah. relatively fresh. It's acknowledging yeah. defeat, and also has you lose lose faith in the franchise, because there's no stakes. Which is not something that any character on Cobra Kai would do. Yeah, This brings me back to Matrix Resurrections, which I think they took weird plot points Characters no, we and things that didn't work. It. Yeah, but. things that didn't work in two and three for me personally, and then use them in Resurrections in a way where I thought, okay, like you made that work. So I, I don't think that those movies are are, are very good still, but I think Resurrections works and is good, and I'm on board with the way they use those characters. So, and I think that they they are doing that here. Like you guys are saying, you don't need to see four. You don't necessarily need to see four to see five, mm-hmm. even though Judy Hicks, because, uh, you know, the character does mention the thing about, you know, well, my mom was in the stab movies. That's all you need to know. Yeah, is that that's who, c- certain people were referenced okay. in stab we gotta movies. We got to move on. Kind of uh, we, we really oh, okay. already, really lost the plot of the yesterday. <laughs> now, and I apologize for that. That's on, that's on me. We'll talk about that later. Friday 13th, part five, okay. a new beginning. This, this is, is a better, better or worse. Oh, this better. is a better this movie better. than Friday <laughs> 13th, part five. But yeah, my hot take is it's better. Friday the 13th, part five is still very entertaining. Uh, Tarantino's favorite. And Tarantino's not contrarian. <laughs> That's a joke. Okay, what else is there? In terms of continuity, right, it's tough. Because Texas Chainsaw Which goes on five? fucking rails after the third one. I don't even know. So I'm trying to think of another part five in terms of horror. Uh, Puppet Master on the 5. same timeline. Puppet Master 5. This is better than Puppet Master 5. This is better than Puppet yeah, Master Yeah, it's better, 5. yes. 
Mm-hmm. I'd say this is better version. than I'd say this is better than Friday the 13th part five. I'll, I'll, I'll say that because I think but the time of Jarvis we all did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it definitely is. Friday uh, the 13th, I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Friday the 13th part five. Yeah. 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 So what I'm saying is it's for a fifth entry and not only the fifth entry, but 25 years later, it's pretty impressive. And I'm, and I'm happy that they stuck with it after all this time. Well, I think we talked about, oh, you know, we haven't talked about which we need to do now. Oh, hold on, hold on. I, a couple more. Oh. Uh, Seed of well, Chucky. I, okay, there we go. Oh, that I do is think a good this, point. You know yeah. what, though? I do think this is better than Seed of Chucky. I, think it's, I like Seed of Chucky. It's, I think this is better than Seed of Chucky. I'd say better yeah, than I Seed agree. of Chucky. I think it's better than Seed of Chucky. Final sure. Destination. Good, good call, Vanderbilt. Good call. Final Destination 5. Oof, you know what? Yeah, I, haven't, but, I haven't seen it. Neither have I, but that, I'm going to say this is the, probably better. That is the great ending. That's the Final Destination, right? Yeah. Okay, better than the fourth one, which is one of the worst movies of all time, no hyperbole. I do think that Scream 5 is better than Final Destination 5. Yeah, of course, definitely. I mean, the sequels are fucking garbage. <laughs> is <laughs> there anything else, though, was there ever, in terms of oh, continuity? Uh, was it, there was a scary movie 5. Is Scream 5, is 5 <laughs> Scream better than Scary Movie 5? I'm going to go on a limb and say yes. Is that where, like, Zucker Abrams took over? I don't, I don't, I've only seen it. They like, took over in the third one, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen... I haven't seen Scary Movie three, four, or five. But I'm, I'm going to venture to say this is better. Than <laughs> I think so. It was PG thirteen, and it's directed by. It's got the Zucker brothers involved, and it stars Simon Rex of Red Rocket, Ashley mm. Tisdale, and Charlie Sheen. Oh god, that's the one with Lindsay Lohan in the beginning. Ugh, I'm gonna go ahead and guess this is better than that movie. Is right, there well, anything well, else? What I think do we have to discuss, Justin? What was the next thing you said you were gonna go into? Good question. I've got a question for you. What are the rules? 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 This one, we've come so far from the first time they made a stab movie in this fictional world that now they're referencing the stab movies as ways to look at the rules, which is kind of wild in itself, right? So the first rule that we learn is never trust the love interest. And guess what? It was right there in front of our it eyes. It was right yeah. It, it, what's fu- I will say what works for me about Richie being one of the killers is the fact that to me, because it, he, I just felt, oh, he's probably the killer. He's probably the killer. He's got to be the killer. He's got to be the killer. You start to just doubt yourself. You're like, oh, there's no way he's the killer at a certain point because that would be too obvious. And, and I you think like you like him. him too much. And and Jack Quaid, we'll talk, yeah, Jack Quaid. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Line deliveries are are, are pretty are pretty good throughout. So Richie is. The killer, wow. He has one of the funniest lines Good in the job, movie, Dewey. too, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Dewey yeah, passing the torch here. It's being passing the torch. Number two, killer's motive is always connected to something in the past. So a lot of this is about at least framing it with a legacy, right? Bringing back Gail Weathers, bringing back Sidney Prescott, bringing in Dewey. So, yeah. And, and framing Sam... For, as being the killer of a famed killer, right? So, yeah. That, that kind of, that goes into what Brandy says in Scream 3, which is the past is not at rest. You know, anything yeah. that you thought about the past has come back to bite you. So it just builds on that, too. Mm-hmm. Especially with Billy, right? Yeah. yeah. And then number three, the first victim always has a friend group that the killer is always a part of, and that would answer for Amber. So, these all, uh, these all came true. Yeah, it's funny because... The rules in this one are more or less, it's, a, it's about who's the killer as opposed to how to survive. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, twist on that. Yeah, so that's true. Literally just now realizing Because now it. we've moved away. <laughs> yeah, there's, now there's so many of these where you, you now it's just a whodunit completely rather than a 
How do we get out of this alive? Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I, 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 but I do like that too, where they're like, we're going to do it. No one does in these movies leave. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I was, was like, yes, please. I, I thought the, I thought that was the third act that was not in the trailer that we were going to see that they just leave Woodsboro. Well, the thing, the thing I've always <laughs> said, I, I thought always, it was going to be outside of I it. always wonder like what would happen in any of the screen movies if you just didn't pick up the phone? <laughs> Like at all, like the like killer's just like ah fuck. I and mean, they were doing that in this too. They were yeah, they were yeah, answering they, the phone, and so they it. were forced to answer the phone, which is a whole other story. Yeah, it's great. Good job, everybody. You blew it, and people ended up dying once again, <laughs> as as for custom in the stream movies. You blow it. We gave you a chance to survive, and you blew it. You blow it. <laughs> Never give you enough napkins at this place. I need to be eating Billy a Madison. sandwich. Ninety-five. <laughs> Billy Madison. Yeah, you I, I was. I was. Well, I was doing Billy Madison. <laughs> Billy Madison. I was. Job, I was referencing. Yeah, Rafa and I had. No, no, absolutely I love not. Copland too. I also love Copland. The but, Nero yeah. Copland. There was another rule, but well, it wasn't really a rule. But like when Mindy Meeks Martin starts talking about when they're at mm. the, the having the powwow, she mentions the thing about the requels and about how you can't deviate too far from the source material or you're going to make people upset and all that stuff. So that is why I, I really gave it the pass when they yes. went to Stu's house and did yeah, all that because the, the, the quote unquote toxic fans in the movie that were the villains were following all those weird requel things. You know what I mean? Like Vanderbilt, you're going to so, love this, but it was, yeah. it was undeniably very meta. Fuck off. It was. You can't you know, deny it. They, they, <laughs> it was literally meta commentary. You know, they, they did break that one. Uh, they broke one rule. Oh. Mandy did in that same scene that Mac referenced. It's a party rule. It's uh, got to use that dip. You know, if you got a bunch of veggies out there and you're making some snacks, you better fucking eat it. You know, this isn't some office party. This is a fucking living room party situation. No one was getting some carrots and some broccoli. I was a little disappointed, you know. I'll tell you right now, when I'm going to house parties, I'm not like, where's the broccoli? I'm looking for veggie platters. I like, oh, no, I like I the am, ranch dressing. I like the veggie I platter. It. I'm totally with Rothman. Like, I'll show up with, like, that's what I'll show up with at a party if they say you have to bring food. Like, I'll bring, like, the meat and trees tray. tray yeah. Oh, the from, best. From if Jules. they tell me, hey, Justin, yes, here's the veggie exactly. plate, then I'll head over and, and, and accidentally knock it off the table and get, yeah. like, get out of my way. I can smell this garbage. Oh, well, man. Speaking I'm of all about five. the snacks. <laughs> Do you know I hadn't eaten all If I show up at a party at 11 o'clock, I probably haven't eaten all day. I'm gonna you go right for that broccoli. Hover right over the snack table. Yeah. Oh, that sounds. That you guys sounds, are a bunch of fucking sick fucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're jumping the gun because we can't. We can't that'd be a great segue. But I know. We can't get there yet because you know what though, Mike? I think I love you. Hey, I think I love you. So what am I so afraid of? I'm afraid that I'm not sure of. I love there is no cure for. I think I love you. Of course, a reference to Scream Two, 1997. Yes. By, yeah. Memory serves. So, guess who's not back? Back again. Well, Eminem. Uh, Marco Beltrami. Polo. <laughs> yeah, he's not back. He's gone. He's still alive, folks. He's just not involved in this film. But who is here is Brian Tyler, who, of course, worked on Ready or Not with Radio Silence. Uh, has a strong piece in my heart as a member of the Fast family. Did a number of the Fast say. and Furious movies. Wonderful. A couple of Rambos in there. A couple of Final Destinations, Ooh. which we mentioned earlier. He's a lot of mainstream fare. with so many directors. Like I, William Friedkin. His Freakin. net worth has got to be good to go. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay, but that's wonderful. Congratulations, Brian Todd. I want to talk about something that happened to me. I know that horror people don't like to make things all about them when they're writing and stuff like that or doing podcasts. But allow me. <laughs> allow me. Justin when just I was up. sitting there and Dewey said, I'm not going to help you two. I'm not going to help these kids. I'm living in my trailer. I'm miserable. I'm out. I don't care anymore. 
And then when he starts to get ready to help them, and I'll be damned if I didn't if I didn't kind of let a couple fist pumps when the brothers theme from Broken Arrow came Fuck in and made yes. its triumphant return after many a year. I I was like, have I come back around on this? And I think and I have. I was very I, was say, I feel like I'm the only one who defends this. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I love this theme. No, okay. big I, fan I, I of it. Love it. It's just Justin was a big naysayer for a long yeah, time. Absolutely. But guess what? He looked at me in the theater and he had a big grin under I his did. mask. I could tell he was grinning and I knew he had come around. Well, I looked over so at him wild. and he was, had his hands <laughs> in the air and I'm like, I thought I was looking over to laugh at him. Like, Yeah, no, I was embracing it. It's so weird because... I still always think of Twin Peaks more than Broken oh, Arrow. Yeah. It does sound <laughs> like a Twin Peaks. Movie. It's yeah. like a, it's a mindfuck. I, it's I very bad elementy. You know well, I mean? the, the the ghouls in my screening certainly lo- turned to look at me because I I actually applauded, and I'm pretty sure they were all like, "What the fuck is that?" Like Dewey's already been introduced, so it's not like you're applauding for Dewey being. <laughs> I remember. Like, I remember. I saw a. Uh, I saw a screening of Passion of the Christ uh, with someone I was dating at the time who was really Christian, and I went with her youth group. And at the end of the movie, this like little twelve year old from the youth group stood up and said, "I love you, Jesus." So, like, did you do that Aww. with Dewey? Where did you stand up and say, "Let's say I love no, you"? But, I, no, I said, I, "I love you, Hans Zimmer, for lending it to <laughs> for three movies." Halfway, I will point. say, I thought you were going to say that. I, I was going to say, but I didn't remember this in Passion of the Christ, but I thought you were going to say that the Broken Arrow theme also popped up in Passion of the Christ. <laughs> It's right when punches pilot. Uh, you know. oh, <laughs> when, no. when he yanks the the cat tail, the cat of nine tails out and you see the cartilage, <laughs> the little it. the little baby the little Satan baby around turns around and looks at the camera. No, it's and, funny. No, it's funny. I, I just had a picture of that pulled up because uh, uh, apparently our babies in the stage with like growing hair and shit. Now I'm like, oh, maybe it'll look like this. And I showed the Satan baby. This is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you play the Broken Arrow theme in the background? (laughs) Okay, this was to Susan. I'm sure she was thrilled. Oh, I'm sure she was was thrilled to death. Okay, but we did have a little bit of problem because it's a new era, folks. We're not pumping out soundtracks these days, right? So there's currently no soundtrack. There's a score out there for the film that's out, and it's not really that spoilerific because there's some subversions with the titles. But there's no soundtrack, but there are definitely songs in this movie. I think there's three songs played in the closing credits specifically, and we did some digging. And I mean, within the last 45 <laughs> minutes before recording, we were like, "Where are the? Where, where's the listing here?" And some God bless them. Somebody on YouTube put together a little playlist, including the score. Thank you very much, whoever you are. And so we do have some songs that are in this movie. Uh, once again, I felt like it was 2001 all over again. I didn't recognize many of the bands. <laughs> But well, let's see what we got here. Let's 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 all look at this together. Shall we shall run we? down the list? Let's run down the list. You got it. You got I've got it right here. Belt? I've got it. Right here. And I listen to them all. And I got to say, for not knowing most of the artists, there were some gems on here. My head was bobbing during the closing credits. Yeah, yeah same here. I, I think I know yeah. who that was. So it's like I only saw it twenty four hours ago. I should remember. But <laughs> up up front, we have True Love by Duran Jones and the Indications. Ooh, that's a, actually a good band. Pretty cool Neo Soul uh, outfit formed in Bloomington, Indiana in 2012. And this was not a to be confused with Chris Durand, who played Michael Myers in, Michael I believe Myers. it was Halloween Resurrection. And uh, this was a no, single. No, it's H2O. Oh, I'm sorry, H2O. I apologize. The Very worst. bad Michael Myers, though. Yes. <laughs> Good movie, bad Michael Myers. Continue. Uh, single from their 2019 record, American Love Call. Pretty cool tune. What's it? American Love Call? Is that what? Yeah. I have no joke. What's the next one? Number two, uh, <laughs> Just Us by DJ Khalid, uh, fourth single from 2019's Father of Assad, features a sample of Outcast Mrs. Jackson, which I realized as I was listening to it that I am, they sample songs from my 20s year old. 
I, that's you know, how I, I felt too. I know yeah. it was DJ Khaled because you hear the another one, which is like a stupid. I I kind of can't stand DJ Khaled. I hate him. I was surprised. Yeah, me too. I I was surprised they got that for this movie. It just felt like kind of a big, like they would have to spend a lot of money on that. Although maybe not because he's already sampling with Jackson, so maybe you don't have to pay him yeah, a lot of royalties. Knows? Yeah, that's a good call. Well, you did say Justice now, and this is not to be confused with the Monkees. Uh, first album with Mike Nesmith in many years, the mid-90s album, Just Us. Don't confuse it. Up next, The American Scream by Alkaline Trio, Chicago's own, Arlington Heights. I own. actually like that song. That, and that's a latter-day Alkaline Trio it's song. It's from their seventh album, 2010's This Addiction, but it was yeah. recorded with the their producer for God Damn It, Maybe I'll I Catch like Fire, and From Here to Infirmary. Rob Cavella or something like that? Matt that's Allison. It. After post like post Good Morning, I'm not so into Alkaline Trio. There's like maybe one or two songs. Crimson. Crimson's like. the record where I stopped listening to them yeah. because I actually think they started to think they were vampires. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of scary really, to be honest with you. Matt Skiba got really into the goth thing and like he, and all these really bad morbid puns, which American Scream is one of them because if you listen to the oh, song, it's the American without Dream. Without a but, doubt. But that is, one of, that is one of the good songs cool from that album. That's yeah, good Matt song. Skiba is now obviously a member of Blink-182, a, a version of Blink-182 that I don't recognize, much like it's people not, don't recognize sequels of movies. It's not bad, the Matt Skiba, Blink-182, but you can totally tell the Skiba, the Skiba tunes. I do want to comment, though, really quickly on, you said that the title of the song is American Scream, correct? Yes. yes. And what's the movie that's, we're watching? Well, that's Scream, obviously, <laughs> obviously but it's also, a, that's a riff on the American Dream. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a song about a U.S. soldier that returned from Afghanistan and blew his head off on his mother's grave. Well, that's not very funny. What's the next song? Uh, <laughs> Turn to Hate by Orville Peck, an artist I really dig. I do know Orville Peck. Uh, you know, I think this is maybe the most recognizable, the Scream soundtrack with the most recognizable artists, I would say. I, this I is know, such I, a bullshit soundtrack. It is so emblematic of an era. To be fair, Rothman. This is all over the place. You have Rothman. a fucking song from like 20 years ago. Or whatever, all right, go, keep going. Rothman, to be fair, <laughs> you get, when you get a band with Orville Peck and you're obviously you're thinking about the movie theater experience. And what do I like to have at the movie theater? A, a mask. Point. Popcorn. And who makes the best popcorn? Oh, that's true. Orville. Orville Redenbacher Peck. Orville Redenbacher Peck. Orville Redenpecker, I think. God, okay. I gotta Mac, is, Mac has passed away before our eyes. He was, <laughs> we he keep was going we, with the he songs. Was, <laughs> he was wearing a mask before it was cool. I like his yeah, stuff. That's right. Uh, Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and a Bad Seeds. Does anybody else have anything uh, else we need I to say believe, about this? I believe. Great. God, correct. I need to see it again. I think that that was the version, the for second version 3? from Scream 3. I yeah, believe so, too. I don't think it's the. I think it was the one for Scream 3, which I'm right I kind of like, actually. I thought it was an excellent use of it, too. Cool scene. It's the best needle drop. I'm such a sucker for like the tinny, a killer, like tinny car radio music playing during a dad. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for it. I was a sucker yeah. for it in Halloween, yeah. sucker for it here. Yeah. I like that songs. Yeah. I liked how it was playing in the car, but I liked how it also continued into the actual soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know, as the kill was happening. Yeah. Which was just, it was like, okay, this is a nod, but it was also like, no, but this is also like, purposely in the it's film. very cool thematically no it's scream you know like we're 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 here it's scream uh welcome back because you know they the killer played that because <laughs> the killer probably played, back. the killer probably played that because it's in the stab movies yep yeah oh it is yeah, that's We've a good seen point it too. In scream too it plays in the beginning you know what so. that that kind of that's a little meta all right fuck off <laughs> all right how many other more songs there, we have we're, 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 blow, we're blowing through them I, Pressure by Camilla, Oakland, California rapper. Actually, I'm not really into you know rap music. Uh, pretty cool tune. I she do was, prefer the one beneath that song. Yes, we'll get. Well, uh, how would you define that? Which one? You said pressure. 
I said below it. What was that? Under yeah, pressure. Under pressure. <laughs> under pressure by Queen and David Bowie. Next one. I thought we were pulling through this. Absolutely I like the ZZ Top under the pressure a little bit better. Yeah. But anyway, I like yeah. the War on Drugs under the pressure. Guilty oh, conscious by Double Seven O Shake, aka oh, Daniel Bobuena. Worked with she, Kanye and Wyoming. She did from her debut album Modus and Vivendi. Hey, I now, will say I, this: the yeah. song she's on with Kanye is called Ghost Town. So Ghost oh. Town, Ghost Face. Kanye mm-hmm. has also worked with Ghostface Killer, the rapper. Ooh, so uh, mm, here, very here meta. <laughs> Kanye's doing good right now. Not a bad tune, but and this is another not uh, this and another song on a record. Just sounds like every sort of cool song I've heard while in an H and M, which I feel is its own arbitrary genre. Yeah, it's like Paxson Hollister type thing. Just like you just be in there, and it's kind of middle of the road, but <laughs> yeah, it's also very mm. catchy. It's like you're in the store and you're like, you know, I was thinking about leaving, but this song came on. And I'm, I think I'm going to try on some clothes. You know? I'm going to try and Kazam. Oh, God, you and guys are being the, so nostalgic right now. They have like the sampler CD at the front, too. Remember they used to do that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Guided by Voices once appeared on a, uh American Eagle sampler CD that I had. Surgical Focus, the single version with the intro. Great song. What the hell is that doing I on know. a sample CD? I love the song. Kid out there, push it. Well, that's out. The they were pushing them on that, stage, that right? album that had just come out, so they're really pushing them heavy to that crowd. They would, always have like, they would always have like a like a pavement song, and then like All American Rejects, and then like a bunch of drive through bands that were aping. Well, you know what? Speaking like of All American rejects. rejects, it's time to move along. And what better way to move along than to to talk about? We didn't even cover the rest of the soundtrack. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> yes. What the I fuck mean, else is that? There was let me blow on through the it. Hold on. Oh, shit uh, by the alcoholics. All shit by the alcoholics. Uh, Hip hop act formed in LA in 1992. Kind of a cool tune from their 2014 album Bar Tab 2. Fall in Love by Caroline Kingsbury uh, from her debut. Another cool tune uh, fi- falls in that H&M rock category. I dig it. 80s inspired, smooth, cincy. I like it. Tell Me Where Your Heart Is by Q. Bass heavy, smooth R&B. Also H&M rock. I think this was the end credit song. Fall Out of Love by Salem, a.k.a. The Church of Salem. Yes, yeah. that's correct. That was An good. English pop punk band formed by Will Gould of Creeper and inspired by Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I just... <laughs> now, Rothman, this leads us back to when I, when I cut you off to make my incredible Orville Redenbacher joke. You were making good points about how this was like a, despa- a disparate soundtrack, disparate group of songs, yeah, just, like never before. So, Probably it's why it's not actually out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, like when you think about it, it's such an encapsulation of just the era we're in. I mean, same with like, I mean, you look at the 2011 soundtrack that you guys went over a big time and you talked about how that was like, like low to mid tier festival bands. That you'd see at like 10 in the morning or like 11 o'clock or whatever at a festival. That, at least those festival bands. And I agree with that. Yeah, these are <laughs> bands that never play live because they do it all in the studio probably. Hmm. But I, I think this is also, I think this also leads to the conclusion that like, you know, these actors don't really have a life anymore because the fucking media industry is so obsessed with like the, f- the five or six fucking top 40 TMZ artists that are out there that no one's really covering this shit anymore as much. So, I mean, you even look at like festival lineups and you see like the headliners and then you get into the, like the, the lines and the weeds and you're like, what the fuck is this? And that's because no one has, there's no money to fucking cover this shit anymore in this industry. And I feel like you look at these soundtracks and it's like, it's just, it's just a fucking smorgasbord of, of, I don't know, like different sounds. And, and it's almost like, I, I, I wonder like how many suits had influence on this and putting this out there and just being like, Oh, get it on the screen, get it on the screen. And even though I, I don't know, I don't really know. I, I was trying to think like, what would be the, the, the acts today that would be 
emblematic of this time in the same way that the acts on Scream 2 were. Or that would feel I just don't good see with it. the Scream universe? Yeah, or that would feel good with the Scream universe, but also be in the now. Because you look at the Scream 2 soundtrack, which I think is one of the greatest soundtracks ever, and it it just it, it feels of that time. It feels of that era. Like I go I listen to that again, and same thing with the faculty, and I'm like, I'm right back in that era. I can't say the same thing about this or Scream 4. Or- well, you know what's wild, Mike, is that I'm not being self-deprecating when I, when I say this, but I know that these songs still feel disparate, even though I don't know many of these songs, but I could not tell you, really, really think about it, like what syncs up with like what would work for a high school Scream movie in 2022. It's probably no this idea. stuff. Why don't I, you don't know? Because you ain't in high school no more. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I'm not being self-deprecating. You're like, oh, I'm old. It's just like, I don't know. I'm just... Uh, Beyond me, I have no idea. We don't hear that those soundtracks and, and takes me back to oh, I heard, I remember this. I was driving my car or whatever. I was in high school doing this, or I remember this played at our prom. You know, we don't have any of those experiences because we just don't hear that music. And that music's not not geared towards us. It's not aimed towards us. It's aimed towards like whatever's playing on the radio, which I don't listen to because I don't have a car. I, you know, I, I'm only listening to whatever's being curated for me on Apple Music based off of things I'm already listening to. Like, it's kind of sad. And that's, I don't, I'm not introduced to all these new bands and all these new things. And it's very disparate in, in the sense that you also have a movie that's got, you know, Sydney and, and Dewey and Gale. And so it's a kind of like you have, that's why there's songs that like, you know, like Nick Cave in there. That's why there's like some random ones in there. I think it's kind of, Again, at the end of the day, this is why it's not being released on vinyl or anything right now. And it's why it's not yet. There's we're no curation section. Yeah, you know, at least like you know, we had like TVT Records. I think did what Scream Two. TVT did a lot of theirs. Right? So then, you at least had like curation of, of like bands on the label. But I, look, and, you know, I just left. I just left the. I just left the music industry for you, like only half a year ago, and I don't recognize half of these fucking artists. Yeah. Well, like, I'm saying, I, I'm no, saying, I'm saying like, me just, personally, I don't know, but you, you I, I, that's what I'm saying. Mean, if you don't know, then I don't know what's going on. You there's hip hop. There's rap. There's pop. It's just we're too old. This is not this is not music for us. I don't know. No, I, I, I don't, disagree with that. I just, yeah, but I, I don't I, think. I but these bands that. are. I gotta tell you right now. I know that these bands are nowhere in the zeitgeist. Exactly. That's what I mean. Not, and like, I just. Yeah. Don't I don't think there that. is a zeitgeist anymore for music, though. Well, and that's my point. And that's because what I'm trying to why get go at. see the new Rolling Stones when you can still go see the old Rolling Stones. Well, then that's yeah. that's the kind of point I was getting at. Is that I feel like it is. It, that's what it's emblematic of. Is this era where like there is no identity anymore in terms of this type of stuff. Like there is that that zeitgeist doesn't exist. That's literally the point. Because like you look at Scream Three, new metal was the rage in that time in that capsule. That Scream Two, sense. alternative. It made sense. The you know commercialization of hip hop was bi- there. That was big. Scream. It was that post grunge wash off that made sense. Even Scream Four, to a lesser effect, had that sort of indie pop that was coming bubbling up. This. Yep. In a way, I guess it is kind of emblematic of right now because yeah. we don't really have any. But any it's sort of but nothing. It's just it's kind of sad yeah. in that way. I don't know. That's all I can think about in that, I know, in that I agree. respect. But you know, there's, I know. there's no assign. There's no assignment to because now with streaming and the way that the internet works in the world, you can listen to anything at any time on anything. It's not like you know back then, and you know when we got Scream and Scream Two. You know, it was all studio ran. It was very much, you only heard what they wanted you to hear on the radio. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, yeah. unless you were, you know, the computer in the back on Napster or something. It, it basically, this is all, it, it plays like a shuffle, which is what most, most people do on Spotify and iTunes anyway. Yeah, right? the yeah. iTunes It really does come right? off like that. It's sadly emblematic of that. There's no, 
We could really go into the weeds about this. Let's let's wrap it up. Music all day yeah, long. Let's, let's Fall Out of Love on. was a cool tune. Band focuses, and here's a good quote about them, the band from their webpage. The band focuses primarily around what Will describes as satanic love songs, which are best exemplified through the masochistic and even harmful lyrics, which connect love to bondage and bodily harm. Cool. My kind of band. Uh, it's the first like song style. on her debut record, <laughs> and the last song on the soundtrack is I Don't oh Want to Talk God. by Wallows who are a cutesy L.A. alternative pop. The, 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 ki- the kind of band people would think I like, but are just too fucking twee for my taste. Wait, so the Wallows, what was the name of the song? Because I, I don't want to oh talk. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk. Ironic. Because I talked I don't want to talk about them. There we go. <laughs> Mike Vanderbilt, not James Vanderbilt. Are there any more songs on this fucking... I can't, there's more songs in this fucking movie than there is in the other movies for some yeah, reason. But there was a good thing there was less to talk about for <laughs> the people who don't enjoy this section as much as I do. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I, I, section. Section. Me? Yeah. I love this I'm, section. I don't know. I'm sure there's some listener out there that's like, oh, Christ, here we go. That's what. That's why God invented timestamps. All right, Trick or Treaters. Well, that's the end of part one of our Scream 2022 coverage. We hope you've enjoyed it so far, and Trust us, we've got a lot more to discuss with the cast, with the killers, with the special effects, our favorite kills, and of course, those sweet, sweet references that were dropped throughout. Stick around, and we'll be right back. This has been a bloody disgusting show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, Nightmare on Film Street, and more. <laughs>